Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, we give you permission to do what you desire. Make our minds, our hearts, our souls a fertile soil that you speak of in the gospel, that your word may bear great fruit. Illuminate these scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners <clears throat> the hour of our death. Amen. And the crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? And what should we do? What, in what context are they asking him this question? Well, we need to go back to last week's gospel passage where it says John the Baptist is he's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As John, John has gone out into the desert near the Jordan and he's, he's calling all of Israel, come. Come to repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Why? Fulfilling this prophet, uh, prophecy of Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths, and then all people shall behold the salvation of our God. And John the Baptist is calling people, come, the Lord is coming, the Messiah is coming, prepare the way for him. And this preaching of repentance, right? Repentance is a turning away from sin and a turning to the Lord, this reorientation of my life. And so as people are coming, they are convicted in their hearts about John's preaching, and they're like, okay, we, we want to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Messiah. So, so we, we bought in, we've been baptized in your baptism of repentance, and like, what's next? What do we do? And this is where we pick up in today's gospel. And he says, beginning, he says, whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none, and whoever has food should do likewise. Or he speaks to the crowds, he speaks to tax collectors, he speaks to the soldiers, each with a particular message and one that we could draw from each of us, but I want to focus on that first one that he speaks to all of us. And this is not, of course, the entirety of John's preaching, but this is what St. Luke gives us here, that when they ask him this question, essentially, John says, give alms. Give alms. We've mentioned during this Advent season that Advent is like a mini Lent, right? It's shorter. It's not quite as intense. There's a, there's a little bit more of a joyful character to it. But it is a time of repentance and preparation for the coming of the Lord. A time in which the church invites us to pray more, to fast more, and to give alms more than kind of in our ordinary time. So the church is giving us this passage this week to highlight almsgiving. And, and the church does so in a way in which is convicting. Every time I read this passage, I think uh, of the time immediately following Hurricane Katrina. So I was in, at Notre Dame Seminary at the time, and like we're just kind of like, okay, hurricane's coming, kind of normal thing or whatever. And then we wake up really like, and the morning right before, and they're like, yeah, you probably really want to leave. And so most of us hadn't left by then, and we're like, okay. We just like 
throwing stuff in our car. We take off. It takes, takes us 13 hours, right, to get from New Orleans to New Rose. It's normally like two hours, 13 hours. So we're there, aftermath of the hurricane, we're here, and we're like, okay, what do we do? We're helping out in different areas. We're one day, or multiple days, we're at the Missionaries of Charity, where they hear Mother Teresa's sisters, six of them, they have a battered women's shelter, they have a soup kitchen, different ministries for the poor. So we're in the kitchen one day, and the seminarians were just kind of talking about, like, everybody's talking about what's going on. I think this is literally the day after. And we're having a conversation, and one of the guys is like, man, like, like, all my stuff is in my room at the seminary. You know, like, what a, am I ever going to get it back? <laughs> one of the sisters is just like, they, they call the seminarians brothers. He's like, brother, all you need is two shirts, two pair of pants, and a pair of shoes you will be okay. We were all like, um, okay. <laughs> yes, sister. Oh. <laughs> you know, and I just, boom, I mean, it just pierced my heart. It pierced all of our hearts. Um, just, the, just the simplicity and the beauty of it and just kind of sober awareness of, of all the things. And then here we are, like, serving people, really, most of whom weren't, practically affected by Katrina but who lived every day either like barely paycheck to paycheck or homeless and they're coming here for food or shelter and it was an eye-opening reality for me and so every time I read this gospel passage I think of that and the church right when the church invites us to almsgiving when we look at the scriptures when we read the teaching of the church I invite you to to open up your catechism this week and thinking about almsgiving and love of the poor, beginning with paragraph 2443. 2443 and following, love of the poor. And the church is inviting us, right, not to give from our excess. And this is from Jesus, not to give from our excess, but to give sacrificially and generously. Now, truly, you don't need to just have two shirts, two pair of pants, right? So we, we can have more than that. <laughs> but are we living sacrificially and generously in our care for the poor? This, this is a conviction of our hearts in a real way. In one of the, those paragraphs in the Catechism, it has a quote from St. Gregory the Great, he says this, when we attend to the needs of those in want, we give them what is theirs, not ours. More than performing works of mercy, we are paying a debt of justice. When we give to those in want, we give them what is theirs, not ours. More than performing works of mercy, we pay them a debt of justice. What does that mean? It means that because we're creating God's image and likeness, or we hold this unique and fundamental dignity of being in his image. And that because of that, like, we, we should have some basic things, food and shelter and clothing, to be able to care for our needs, to be able to have, like, a, a, 
what, just a good life. And so when we have been given much, and many of us have been given much, and of course that's a, a relative term in so many ways, but what we have, and when someone is lacking a fundamental need in their life, Jesus is reminding us that we're not giving them something really that is ours, but that the Lord has given us as stewards for them. For them. And Jesus, right, when we're asking this question, what shall we do? When they're asking John the Baptist, what shall we do? I mean, Everything is hold under when they ask Jesus the question, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and these two are one. And Jesus, in Matthew 25, talking about, right, the final judgment, and one of the things that he speaks about is like, whatever you've done to the least of my brothers and sisters, you've done unto me. And he identifies himself with the poor. He identifies himself. And that there's eternal consequences, right? Um, how we love is like love of God and love of neighbor. And like that's, that's it, of receiving from God everything that we have been given. First and foremost, his love. Primarily the gift of eternal salvation because if we gain the whole world and lose our souls, we have nothing. But the things that we have been given, the Lord is inviting us to love him in return. To love him in return in one of the primary ways we love him in return is by loving those most in need whom Jesus identifies himself with. I'm preaching this and I'm like, ugh, like convicting the mess out of my heart. But it's just the truth of the gospel. So I want to invite you, I want to invite me, and particularly in the last couple of weeks here of Advent, to pray with this passage to pray with that section of the catechism and to ask the Lord, right, to reveal to us how he is calling me, how he is calling you to live this giving of alms. Not that we can all fix all of the world's problems, we cannot. But to be attentive to whom the Lord is, those whom the Lord is asking us to give generously, to give sacrificially, and then when we do so with our time, with our care, with our love, with our resources, we are loving not only them, but Jesus incarnate in the flesh. Jesus in the flesh. And that this way of loving, right, Jesus reminds us that we meet him face to face. And it will be, right, part of how he looks upon us. So let us not leave here with like this pressing, oppressive sense of guilt. It's not what we should leave here, like this oppressive sense of guilt, like, oh my gosh, I got stuff, I'm a horrible person. No, no, no. The enemy wants you to believe that because we cannot love in real freedom. But to leave here knowing that the Lord loves you to be convicted about the gift and the call that he has given us. And from this freedom, with the charity of Christ in my heart, to live and move. And I'm gonna end with this quote from Pope Benedict in Sacramentum Caritatis. Just a beautiful um, document that was written after the synod on the Eucharist, on the most holy Eucharist. And he says this, 
The Eucharist thus compels all who believe in him, right? All who believe in Christ. The Eucharist compels all who believe in Christ to become bread that is broken for others. The Eucharist compels us to become like Christ, bread that is broken for others, to get, live my life in a Eucharistic way. He says, and to work for the building of a more just and fraternal world. Keeping in mind the multiplication of the loaves and fishes, we need to realize that Christ continues today to exhort his disciples to become personally engaged. You yourselves give them something to eat. This is the quote when they come and they tell Jesus, hey, lots of people are here. They're starving. Send them home. We're about to have a riot. He's, you yourselves give them something to eat. You can imagine that, like, what? I don't have anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? It says, each of us is truly called together with Jesus to be bread broken for the life of the world. As we come to the Eucharist, the source and the summit of our life, to love God and to love others, not on our own power, but on the grace that he has given us, that the Lord wants to live his Eucharistic life in us, that we become bread broken, that our lives, our talents, our time, our gifts, our resources to love God and to love our neighbor in a sacrificial way. So then the crowds asked John the Baptist, what should we do? He said to them in reply, whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none. And whoever has food should do likewise. 